Welcome to another edition of Canton Bound, the NFL half of our Campus to Canton podcast. As always, I'm Colin, and Austin is not here with us tonight. He had to give some sort of a big speech at an awards gala or something fancy like that. But I'm joined by special guest, uh, better half of our guest from last week, Mr. Matthew Bruni at Sports Fanatic MB. How are we doing? Good, good. Thank you for saying that. And I, I do find it a little bit interesting that every time I'm invited on this show, Austin is never here. Like I, I've made one appearance with the both of you, and it was pretty much I was told you've got five minutes to talk about how great Kyle McCord was going to be and win the Heisman, which is not going to happen. And then I was kicked out of here. So clearly I think my antics on Debbie debate have really gotten to Austin and Felix because they just avoid me at all costs on everything else. Yeah, and I also want to say that that was a hundred percent Austin who's like we're limiting him to five minutes. Uh, you know, I, yeah, Austin was running the whole that that whole show. You know, I, I'm I was I was just a passenger. I always reach out anytime Austin's not going to be there. You are one of my first calls. I appreciate that. It's because, you know, we know that not only are we the best looking guys at Campus to Canton, we're also the probably the smartest. And we're just kind of we get dumbed down and made it look like we're just the pretty faces. But we right. know who's the best around here. So I got you. I got you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I got to give the hat tip to Jarek. I think Jarek's the smartest. I think we can both agree on Good that point. one. Good but, point. Yeah, I will give you two, that one. Yeah, we are definitely the two best looking and numbers probably two and three as, as far yeah. as smarts go to 100 um, percent. But. We got week se- week seven in the books here. Um, kind of a straightforward week there. You know, last week uh, your your Browns was a little was a little rough. Yeah, I mean, hey, at least uh, at, at least Ke- at least Case Keenum came through for us, right? That's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. we got the win. We got the W. It was ugly, but it's a, a win's a win ugly. at this point. <laughs> a win's a win. I'll take them however I can get them at this point. Keep the ship afloat till you get everybody back. Um, because you guys got you guys got a lot of injuries there this year. Is there something in the water out there in Cleveland? No, it's just what happens. We're cursed. We're a cursed town. You know, this was supposed to be our year. You saw everybody picking them to go into the. I did not. I refused to believe in this team, but everybody else was picking them to go to the Super Bowl. And look what happens. Just reminds me a lot of that 2019 season. You know. Baker has that amazing back end of his rookie season. Everybody's talking about how cool and hip Freddie Kitchens was, and they were going to lead the Browns to the playoffs, and then they just completely shit the bed all season long. And that's what it feels like is coming right now. The only difference is in Stefanski, I trust. He he's a great head coach, but the rest of the uh, the rest of that team, um, whew, those injuries are just not great. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a tough one. And and I'm a Falcons fan here, so I mean we're not really injured we're just bad so you know i i can i can at least relate on that front uh but at I least you really- guys made a super bowl you've got That's- that tether you got that little feather in your cap so. yeah but i would almost rather have not made that super bowl based on how that ends because every march 28th i have four or five different friends sending me a, a meme about that super bowl so yeah That's we made point. one but I mean, I almost would have rather not make it if it was going to end that way. If Um, if only Kyle shenanigans would have just ran the ball. If only only Kyle shenanigans would have just ran the ball. There were a lot of, there were a lot of things, a lot of things on that one, but I digress. Not here to, not here to dredge up the past. Um, I got, we got to move on before I fall into a deep depression here. Uh, This podcast 
is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great pods, including the True North Fantasy Podcast, the Play to Win Podcast, Dynasty Happy Hour, Injury Prone Podcast with Dr. Edwin Porrest, Dynasty Vipers, The Smoke Show, and the Fantasy Points Podcast. You can follow all of them on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live or check out the Friday drops that recap the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. Uh, so we got uh, we got some news heating up here this week. Um, trade deadline is next Wednesday, November 2nd. Uh, we got some rumors swirling here. The uh, Deshaun Watson trade rumors have kicked back up here. Uh, do we actually think he gets traded or is this just a lot of smoke? I think so. And so the deadline's Tuesday, just just to, to give you a heads up. You you got the date right, the second. Yeah, second right. is Tuesday. I think it's a usually, well, three. I think I guess it's probably four. No, it's usually three Eastern, I think. So I live in, you know, the greatest time zone of all central time zones. So it's like two o'clock for me Tuesday. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to it. But yes, to get to your question, Watson, I think so. There, there's just too much smoke. I think for there not to be a legitimate fire here on Watson. I mean, there's been a lot coming out from the Miami side, even owner Stephen Ross saying, Hey, like we want to make this deal, but there's a few things we need to know first before we give up three first round picks for this guy, including, you know, the, the legal stuff seems like if Watson's willing to settle that this could all go away on his side. Doesn't seem like he wants to do that. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know how big of a deal that is or isn't. Is there an admission of guilt in there to settle? I watch enough Law and Order to think that's probably what happens, <laughs> but I don't know if that's actually true. The thing with Miami that I, I'm, I think I just do it regardless is you've heard Roger Goodell say he's not going on the commissioner's exemplist, but he has not admitted to whether or not he will be suspended. Even if he's suspended, what eight games, ten games. At this point, why does it matter? Miami, you're one and six. You're not making the playoffs. I'm sorry. It's not happening for you. Make the trade. If you really think Deshaun Watson is going to be your future quarterback and the future of your franchise, why not trade for him now? Let him sit for the last eight games of the season of suspension and then come back next year, be your starting quarterback, and it's wheels up. You've got, and I believe, a good head coach in Brian Flores. While that defense has played bad this year, they've got enough pieces on that offense. I think they could be good. You're likely, if you don't move to a, you've got Jacoby Brissett in hell. At this point, if you lose, again, it doesn't matter. You've got your QB of the future there in Watson. You're not going anywhere this year. So I, I do think there's a realistic shot that he gets traded in the fact that so many people are talking about, but I really think it's come down to just the Dolphins. I, I know there was a lot of talk about maybe the Panthers getting involved, but David Tepper, the owner of the Panthers, came out the other day and said that he is not – wanting to make a move on Watson. And I believe him when he says that coming from the Steelers organization, you know, I hate the Steelers as much as the next guy, <laughs> but I will give them props. And I think they are one of the more better well-run franchises. And he came from that ownership group and he's been very big on like propping up women in the workplace. And also, especially after the thing that happened with Jerry Richardson there in, in Carolina. So I think he is telling the truth when he says that with whatever's going on with Watson, he doesn't want to be a part of it. So I really think it just comes down to the Dolphins you know, will all this stuff get solved by then? I don't know, but I still think they probably make that trade because they just don't seem to believe in Tua. And at this point, where else are you going to get an upgrade over Tua? Because you're not getting it in the 2022 draft class. Your only option is Deshaun Watson. Man, uh, we can definitely get into the Tua discussion there. My my biggest hang up with Watson actually getting traded is this whole grand jury investigation that's going on. It's I was I was doing some research into it, and I'm not a lawyer either. Um, I was bouncing a couple just general law questions off of Austin, but um, I, I saw a stat: grand juries indict 
on a it's a 95 to 99 percent basis so the odds that this that he gets indicted and goes to trial here are pretty high now Austin was saying that the reason that they indict is because the burden of proof is they just have to like be able to try and make a case on it um, and if it's getting to an investigation they probably have enough um, and I'm paraphrasing Austin's words here um, you know he's not here to 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 provide his legal expertise but if there if it does go to a grand jury and investigate if he does get indicted and the grand jury investigation leads to a trial i see this extending into 2022 um you know i just i worry about him his future in 2022 and then at that point for miami you know you just traded for a guy who may have to sit out in 2022 so the longer this drags on and we don't hear anything i think the worse news it is for watson and i just I think it would be really tough for any ownership group to trade for him with all of that stuff going on. And he reportedly has only waived his no trade clause for Miami. Uh, so he has a no trade clause in that huge contract extension he signed. He wants to go to Miami. So if he does get traded, definitely Miami's the one that makes sense. But I just I don't know if I see that happening. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely know that. I, I know Matt Fox, who uh, is part of our group. I'd say probably the best NFL insider we have in our group or, oh, or sure. NFL guy, and and he talked about that too. He looked really into the uh to the grand jury stuff. Where I think they're not even bringing him in until February of 2022. So yeah, you're looking at next year at best. But again, this going strictly off my law and order basis of of lawyer knowledge here. You know, Carisi, Raphael, Barbara, Barbara, I think it's Barbara. I can't remember it now. Um, Helping me out here. I believe if he settles, then it doesn't go that far. So then I think that is kind of something that Stephen Ross has mentioned uh, in some of his comments. Like if he settles, we're willing to do this. Again, I I don't know if Watson wants to do that because I'd imagine if you're settling with someone, for millions of dollars, there's some kind of admission of guilt, and clearly he doesn't feel like he's done anything wrong. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah, I agree with you on that. If we don't hear anything else about the legal case, then I I mean, if Miami does, they're pushing all their chips in on on a coin flip, really. But I, again, yeah. I mean, what is Watson? 26 years old, maybe? I don't even, yeah, I don't know if he's that old. I think he's like, because he came out early. So he's what, 20? He's probably like 25 because he just signed the huge extension yeah i'm trying to to... no i think you might be right be 26 just off of some loose math there you've been like 21 when he came out yeah 26 years years in the extension just turned 26 this year so you were technically right he was 25 he turned 26 september 14th so even if you don't get him for two years is it worth two first round pick or is it worth three first round picks because i I wrote let's let's just be honest one year because you're not going anywhere this year. Even if they were to say, right. get Deshaun Watson, and they're like, hey, he can play as soon as you guys trade for him. And he goes out there, they're one in six. I, even with 10 weeks left in the season, I don't think they're making the playoffs at this no. point. Not with how loaded the AFC is. So again, you're, you're missing him for a year. You could realistically look at it and say, okay, we traded for one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, he's going to be out for a year. Get, well, I mean, I was going to say you can draft somebody high, but you're going to miss out on your first round pick. But... You know, you still can make a couple moves in the draft and, and continue to build around him and then wheels up, I guess, in 2023 instead of 2022. So that that brings me to my next question here, though. You were talking about two, uh, um, you know, if they trade for three first round picks, they would probably still have him on the roster. Yeah. What what do we see is two is long term 
future here for the NFL. Like it seems like Miami is ready to move off of him. I still think he's an NFL starter. Now I was not as high on him as a lot of people were coming out of college. I had Herbert and Burrow tied as my one and then a teardrop and then Tua. Some of it was due to the injury. Some of it was due to what I felt the biggest thing with Tua is he he definitely made some NFL throws. So don't, I'm not saying that he didn't, but I felt like a lot of time when he was throwing to the wide receiver core that he had at Alabama and how wide open some of those guys were at times, you should, any quarterback should be able to make that throw. I still think he is a, a upper half quarterback. He's probably middle of the pack. I'd say right around QB 16. I just don't know that Miami and their offensive game plan and that horrible offensive line are just good for Tua. He, he's not, I think, the athlete he was in college because of that hip injury. I mean, we've seen, there were rumors when that happened, right, that he may never be able to play football again. This is an injury that he may never be able to recover from. We saw all last year when he got drafted, okay, well, it's going to be a redshirt year. He shouldn't play because of that injury. And then they ended up throwing him out there anyway. And I think probably a little bit ended up hurting him because they were a playoff team with Ryan Fitzpatrick. They should have just let Ryan Fitzpatrick keep going, let Tua continue to learn. Tua even came out last year apparently and said that he didn't really know the playbook fully, which hurt him a little bit as well. I just think it's one of those situations where he probably needs to move on. Now, where can he go to become maybe realize his full potential? That's a great question because I don't know. I mean, obviously, if he goes to Houston, I don't think that's happening, but it sounds like <laughs> Houston's not asking. They they just want the three first-round picks and not Tua, so I think that's good for him. And I was thinking about this earlier today. Like, Washington might be a good place for him. I, I like the weapons they have for him. Terry McLaurin could really help him out. They need to improve that offensive line, but a running back like Antonio Gibson, you know, could be very much what Najee was for him at Alabama. Um, outside of that, you know, Seattle trades Russell Wilson. Maybe he could go to Seattle. Like, I still think he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. He's not a, you know, Jalen Hurts, who we're looking at right now is like, does he have any type of NFL future? If the Dolphins do complete the trade for Watson by next Tuesday, I still, I'm holding Tua because I think he's, long-term, he's still going to be an NFL starter. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think he's going to be an NFL starter. I, Tua was my QB one in the class. Now I knocked him behind Burrow because of the injury, because of the uncertainty with that uh, that you mentioned. Now, I, I agree with you. I think last year should have been a redshirt year for him entirely. They were a playoff team with Fitzpatrick. They should not have turned to him. I don't think he was ready mentally. I don't think you know physically he didn't completely look um, all the way back there. And it sounds like he wasn't really there from the playbook standpoint either. I think that was just a horrible decision all around. Um, and I think it was detrimental to him. But I I still like Tua. I, I, you know, I, we saw flashes at Alabama. I mean, he's, like you said, they had some really great playmakers there. That's, you know, no question about that. But he did a really good job distributing the ball there uh, to those playmakers. I think he did a really good job in college of extending plays as well, which his mobility definitely has been impacted by that injury. So we'll see if that's still an asset of his game moving forward. Um, I admittedly have not watched much Dolphins games this year outside of the, uh, the Falcons game. And he looked good in the Falcons game, but it's the Falcons defense too. So, but <laughs> um, I, I, one place that I would actually like to see him go would be Carolina. Um, okay. You know, they're, they're in the market for a quarterback you know, maybe it's not Watson with everything going on. Like you said, David Tepper's a pretty, um, a pretty straight laced guy, pretty, you know, by the book, doesn't really like a lot of knuckleheads there. Um, 
you know, so maybe Watson not in the in the cards there. But if they hang on to uh, Tua in Miami and don't have him part of the Watson deal, then they have an extra asset there. And Sam Darnold's kind of fallen on his face here these past couple of weeks. Now we'll see when they get CMC back. You know, that's definitely a big asset. That's a huge focal point of that offense uh, to take away from Sam Darnold. I, I think we know at this point, Sam Darnold is not a guy who can elevate the talent around him. Um, so, but I would love to see Tua in, in Joe Brady's system with those weapons as well. Like, I think that would be a really great landing spot for him to, to improve his value. Yeah, I mean, if Joe Brady stays there, I, I could definitely True. see that being good. I mean, he t- Joe Brady has turned, you know, Tutty Bridgewater into an amazing quarterback <laughs> that Denver wanted to trade for, and at least for the first three weeks made Sam Darnold look amazing. And I, I will say what you just mentioned, I think the loss of CMC is what's really hurt Sam Darnold because he just completely changes that offense, and I think it makes it easier for him knowing he's got one of the most explosive weapons in in the NFL right there that he could just dump the ball off to. But yeah, that'd be, they've got a pretty good offensive line as well. So that could be a really good place for him to go to. Yeah. I think it would actually even be a better place for him than Miami. Cause like you mentioned, the O-line in Miami, not great. The weapons there are, there's some pieces there. Like I like Jalen Waddle. I think Devontae Parker's fine. Um, but, you know, Gasicki's a decent option there as well at the tight end um, in terms of receiving. Not a great blocker. But, you know, the, the weapons there are okay, but the line is just not good. And and I, I don't think the play calling has been particularly good yeah. either there in, in Miami this year. Uh, I think they'll have to do something with the offensive coordinator position. But, uh, you know, Carolina, I think, would actually be a stock up for Tua. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I think anywhere he goes is probably stock up because I <laughs> like I like I had a high hopes for Miami. I really like what Coach Flores is doing there. But offensively, I feel like he he doesn't have his Josh McDaniels the way that Bill Belichick does in, in New England. I think that is what's hurting him because I'm with you. I mean, you mentioned Devontae Parker. Like, yeah, he's great when he's on the field, which is like right. four out of the 17 weeks of the year. <laughs> Mike Gusecki's good, but there are talks about they drafted Hunter Long so they could let Gusecki go. So there's a realistic shot. We're looking at like it's just Jalen Waddle next year for Tua if he stays there in Miami. So, yeah, they, they need to get someone who can open up the playbook because that offense is nothing like what Tua ran in college. And I think that's the kind of offense you have to run because that's the kind of good quarterback that he is, even if you can't extend the plays, like you mentioned, the way he was able to in college because of that injury. Right. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how the, the Watson rumors shake out here this week, uh, you know, leading up to Tuesday, not Wednesday, still a second. Um, but we do have players who were actually traded. Um, Mark Ingram traded from Houston to New Orleans. Do we care? No. Uh, I mean, I care for Alvin Kamara because that's like his <laughs> best friend, right? So I think that's right. cool. It's, it's great for him. That's that's a team morale thing. Like Mark Ingram was a huge leader on that team. And I, I think we really saw that too when he went to Baltimore that first year. I mean, how much like Lamar and him were such good friends. And I feel like that really helped boosted Lamar's play as well. So him going back there, I think, is good for Kamara. It gives them hopefully that like thunder and lightning kind of duo again, but Mark Ingram is not the player he was three years ago. So I I don't know that he's going to be that good, Uh, but they needed the death because Kamara, as much as we love him, really good receiving back. Like he's just not the guy you hand the ball to 30 times and let him run up the middle. So bringing in a guy like that, that is good for, for the overall team fantasy. I don't, I don't care at all. Right. 
Yeah, and I think losing Latavius Murray when they cut him too because he wouldn't take a pay cut, I think that put more of the running game load on Kamara, and he's been fine this year with it. But like you said, he's not the guy you hand the ball off to 30 times. Uh, He's at his most effective when he has a thunder-lightning complement and he can just do a lot of his game do damage in the receiving game. So I, I do think that this helps New Orleans. It may not be anything fantasy-relevant for anybody there. Um but there is definitely some, there's definitely an impact in in Houston. You know, David Johnson now presumably going to be the lead back there. They do have Philip Lindsay. Um, are either of these guys going to be fantasy relevant for you here moving forward, or do we just want no part of that offense? I mean, I think David Johnson could be. I mean, I, that's the thing, right? With, with fantasy football, there's only realistically 32 if you want to go double up, although not every team uses two running backs. Most have gone to it now. 64 guys that you can realistically start. David Johnson's going to get a bulk of the carries. And yeah, I mean, right now, Mark Ingram, before he left, was sitting at 92 attempts. That was 60 above Philip Lindsay and David Johnson. So he was clearly getting the ball. David Johnson's just sitting at 27 rushes so far this year. He's actually being outcarried by Philip Lindsay. If he's going to get the workload that Mark Ingram was getting, that I do think he's worthy of that. He hasn't looked horrible uh, this this year. He's had a couple of good plays. I don't know. What I'm curious to see with that split is because I think Philip Lindsay's probably the more explosive runner, but David Johnson's the better receiving back. So I think that gives him that more third down capability. Maybe they just use Philip Lindsay as that change of pace guy. But you're also looking at while Houston has played well, I think for David Cully, they clearly like him as a coach. I think they're in every single game. They've really not been blown out that much this year. They're not ever really leading in games except for when they're playing the freaking Cleveland Browns. <laughs> so I, I don't know that David Johnson's going to get you a ton of work. I think most weeks you're probably hoping for him to hit over 10 points. You're hoping he gets some kind of touchdown, whether it's rushing or receiving. Otherwise, I think you're kind of banking on maybe 10 points a week and that's a couple receptions for like 30 40 yards maybe 50 60 rushing yards to just kind of get you right over that 10 mark the 10 point mark yeah i'm i'm with you there i think if if anybody's going to be relevant it's probably going to be david johnson because of the receiving ability there um game script is is just going to be in favor of of the receiving back whoever that ends up being there and you know, with with Ingram gone, that is going to free up some carries. I do think, like you said, Philip Lindsay's probably going to be um, it, it, the change of pace guy, but I think he'll probably outpace David Johnson in terms of just raw carries. But David Johnson definitely gets the more valuable touches there in the receiving game for your PPR leagues. So yeah, he'll you'll be able to start him in a pinch. But if if I'm relying on David Johnson, I think my team's in trouble. Um, my dynasty team, I'm, I'm moving David Johnson, um, you know, for, for anything I can get for him if I'm not competing, um, you know, because he had to kind of fall into this relevancy right now. It took a trade for him to become fantasy relevant this year. And, you know, I, I, I don't see him having much relevance beyond this year. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that part. I, I mean, at this point, even as bad as we've, I mean, you guys have talked about it. And- who follows most of us over camps and can't have talked about, you know, this 2022 classes is not great. I think, I, I mean, if you could get like a 2023 20, third or fourth, even from a contender, I, I'd take that right now. Cause he's not going to help you much this year. And I'm with you. I, I don't see, I mean, he's a free agent after this season. 
I don't know that he gets signed by anybody. I mean, he's not Le'Veon Bell, Latavius Murray. I mean, he hasn't even looked as good as Devonta Freeman, who I know is technically, I guess, on the <laughs> roster with Baltimore. Like he, he's he's really had a fall from grace after all the injuries he suffered there in Arizona. So yeah, I'm with you. I think move him to maybe a contender. It's like, hey, here's some RB depth for you. You know, I, I always play it off like, you know what? Just just throw like a 20, 2023 third or fourth. Like I don't even want next year's pick. Give me the year out because I know David Johnson sucks. And and let's just settle <laughs> this and get on with it. And then you get that pick, and you're probably much happier in 2023 because of it. You're absolutely going to be happier in 2023. Um, Austin and I did a little bit of a draft class breakdown, and um, you know, I I still have a lot of the grades for 2023 very very rough, but I think I'm probably going to be looking at about 12 to 14 players with first round rookie grades, and you know, then beyond that too, that's gonna there's going to be some other guys who pop up and emerge as well. So. I think the depth will be there that uh, if you can get the third, the 2023 third, like that's a steal. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, There are some other trade candidates here. We've heard their names floated around a little bit. Um, We've got Marlon Mack has been floated around to a couple different teams. One of them being the chiefs I've heard. Um, Do we think Marlon Mack gets moved here? And if he does any particular landing spot you, you would be interested in? Uh, I don't see why they wouldn't. I mean, he's a, he only signed that one-year deal with them, so he's going to be a free agent. They've got Jonathan Taylor, who's an absolute stud. And they have Naheem Hines, who they're not afraid to use as much as if you guys ever listen to me on the roundtable, you will hear me constantly talk about how much I hate Frank Reich because I love Jonathan Taylor, and he is cons- constantly using Naheem Hines way too much. It just doesn't make sense not to move him. We know Moreland Mack is a good running back. Yeah, and I do think he could go not even just in the Chiefs, but you talk Baltimore, who's just I mean, they're throwing everything out the wall to see what sticks right now to try and get some running back in there to help Lamar. Cause I mean, Lamar is their leading carrier right now. And clearly what we saw earlier in the season, I don't think they wanted that from him when Tyson Williams had his two good games. I think they want Lamar to pass the ball. So they need to get some kind of running back in there. I mean, those are probably the two top-end ones that I think he would fit best. And I actually think he'd fit better in Baltimore because of the run scheme that they they run. But I also could see the Colts maybe not moving him just because they've kind of turned their season around the past couple weeks with these wins. I think they probably think they're a playoff team, and you can never have too much running back depth because – if, you know, and I'm, I will say whatever prayer to whatever God I need to, that nothing happens to Jonathan Taylor because I love him as a player, have a lot of shares of him. If he were to go down, you cannot just rely on Naheem Hines. And so if you're able to turn around and give the ball to Marlon Mack, we saw what Marlon Mack was great. It was just for one game last year before he blew out his Achilles. But he's a good running back, and he can definitely carry the load if something were to happen. But you know, those would be the two top places. I mean, even really, I don't know that they do it, but a Buffalo? to really solidify that running game? Because, I mean, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss are good, but they're not Marlon Mack. Yeah, I don't really like either of of Moss or Singletary that much, to be honest with you. I do like Mack a, a little bit more. And, and like you said, the Colts have turned their season around here. They are only two games behind the Titans um, at this point. So, you know, they're, the AFC is loaded. Their best shot's probably through the division, but they're not. they're far from out of it by any means here you know if if something were to happen to jonathan taylor like you said marlon mack is a a reliable option so i think if they do trade him trading him in the afc would be difficult because at that point you know uh, 
the trading him to the Chiefs, the Chiefs have kind of struggled lately. You know, the CEH is going to be coming back, but at the same time, why would you bolster one of your comp one of your competitors? So I don't know if I see that one happening. Um, I've heard the Chargers floated out there. It's kind of the same thing. Uh, Baltimore is. I don't want to say they're definitely going to get a playoff spot because anything can happen, but they're looking like one of the, the stronger teams here in the in the AFC. So, you know, the Colts maybe move him to move Mac to him, assuming that he that the Ravens are going to make the playoffs anyway. But if they move him, you know, move him to the NFC. You know, maybe maybe Seattle with Carson's injuries. Alex Collins has looked fine, but he's it looked fine in other stretches before, you know, there's a reason he wasn't on a roster for so long. Um, so I could see the Seahawks potentially needing a running back there as well. Um, you know, so th there's, there's definitely landing spots for him uh, for his fantasy value. Obviously we, we want him moved. We want him into a starting role. Yeah. Let me, uh, let me ask you a question on him real quick. When it pertaining to dynasty value, if you have him on a roster, do you try to move him now? with all the rumors around him getting traded because, or do you wait because you're then taking the shot on if he doesn't get traded, he has no value anymore at all. Right. Because you has no value unless Taylor gets hurt. And if you don't have Taylor on your roster, he's kind of just burning a hole in your roster for no reason. So which game do you play? Do you play the maybe trade him for 50 cents on the dollar because there's so many rumors like, hey, he may go to the Chiefs. He may go to Baltimore. He may go to Seattle. You're about to get yourself a starting running back. Just give me this. I don't even want full prize for him. Just give me this. Or do you wait and hope he's moved by Tuesday and then trade him for what you're going to be? Then it's going to be $2 on the dollar, right? Because he's likely going to become a starting running back. Honestly, I probably hold him at this point. And if he goes somewhere valuable like the Chiefs, like Baltimore, I'll sell him for, you know, like you said, two, $2 on the dollar at that point. But if he does stick around in Indy, I'm going to keep him because he's going to be a free agent next year anyway. And then in the offseason, you know, if he, you know, there's going to be some rumors around, you know, where he could go, he'll be a free agent. People will be aware that he's going to be a free agent and may look to buy him at that point. And you may not get $2 on the dollar like you did now, if you went to Kansas city or Baltimore, but you can probably get that flat, even price. So I'm probably holding unless somebody's willing to give me something, you know, anybody who give me a second, I'm taking that in a heartbeat. I don't really care. Uh, 2023 third, you know, I could, I could potentially move him for that at this point. But that would I, I don't know if I would even, to be honest with you, I would probably still hold. Fair enough. Um, other trade news here. Evan Ingram's name has been floated out there. Uh, he just he flashed at times. He just really has not been able to stay healthy. So I don't necessarily even know if a change of scenery is going to help him that much because He's been fine for fantasy typically when he's out there in terms of tight ends. I mean, tight ends are, are tough to rely on anyway. And, yeah. you know, he's not going to be the guy that we thought we were getting when he drafted him, but he can still be a fantasy starter for you when he's healthy. But if he does get moved, there are a couple more. Uh, there are a couple options out there that I like more than New York because I don't necessarily trust Daniel Jones. Um yeah, you know he could go to well. There, Arizona's not going to trade for a tight end. They just traded for Earth, so that was going to be the name I was going to throw out there. But 
Um, there's, there's, you know, definitely some other landing spots for him there. Gronk's been hurt. Maybe he goes to um, Tampa, though they have OJ Howard there too. So, and it's uh, as as I'm running through this, uh, I don't know if there's too many other spots that I like actually. There's there's two places I could see him going. Both have historically used the tight end well. Tennessee and Indy. Uh, neither one has a tight okay. end that really kind of stand out to me. I mean, Ferks are at Tennessee. We all hoped he was going to be something this offseason. He's done nothing. Uh, I think that might help open things up for Julio as well. I mean, A.J. Brown's been on absolute fire. But when they had Delaney Walker there, and I know Arthur Smith is no longer there, but he, he used Walker and John New Smith at times in different ways. I think adding a guy like Evan Ingram there could do that. But at this point, if you're rostering Evan Ingram, I think that's the best you're hoping for is for him to move. The Giants have not been a good team, and, and I'm with you. He, he's been so injury-prone. It's more him than anything else that's held him back because we've seen guys in this Giants offense produce even with Daniel Jones and how bad this offense has been. And he just, even when he was like the only healthy player on that offense a couple weeks ago, he struggled to do anything. Yeah. Tennessee is a good call. Um, they, they have historically used the tight end. Well, from Delaney Walker, even to Johnny Smith, who, you know, we're not seeing him do what we thought he would in new England. So, you know, maybe that was more of a Tennessee scheme type of a thing than, uh, I, I think that the, those were two good landing spots there. Thanks for the save. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. That's why, uh, that's why you're, you're one of the two smartest guys there. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, uh, we also got Alan Robinson, uh, pretty disappointing so far this year. I thought he was going to have a massive year. Um, I, I think definitely some of this blame can be put on fields, uh, and how, how fields has looked at this. <laughs> hey, how I'm a big dare you. I'm just kidding. I'm a big Fields fan as well here, but I, you know, he has not looked good this year. I think that's hurt a Rob, but even before that, he still wasn't really doing much with Andy Dalton, who has been fine. Um, I think he does need a change of scenery. Yeah. And I think it's probably realistic that it happens. I, I agree with you that it's some on Fields. I know everybody's blaming Nagy. Fields really hasn't looked great. I mean, the fact I, I can't well, as much as I do. I, I love Fields, and even I'm like afraid to even get in any kind of argument with Felix right now about Justin Fields and Zach Wilson because it's just it's been ugly for both of us. But uh, I, I do like that Al Robinson has kind of stuck up for Fields. He he mentioned earlier this week that he thinks the reason they don't have the chemistry is that Fields was not getting any run in the preseason and everything with him. But I mean, he's on the uh, the franchise tag. I believe they only have to pay out the rest of his salary, which at this point is like eight million dollars. Is not that sounds like a lot, but really realistically for a wide receiver, I think it's not. Maybe he's traded for a couple picks, and and whatever team gets him is just like, hey, eat the rest of his salary. We'll take him. I think he probably wants to go to a contender. I know this off season, he said he wanted to stay in Chicago. But there was it never seemed like any headway was ever made for a contract, and he seemed very unhappy that he got franchise tagged. They've got a lot of other players coming up. It just makes the biggest thing I think what scares me in the way they may not move him is I do think not only is Matt Nagy coaching for his job, but so is Ryan Pates. I, I you know I can't remember uh, is it McCaskey? I can't remember her name now, and it's going to drive me crazy. But the owner of the Chicago Bears, she she's getting very old. I want to say her last name is McCaskey, Virginia McCaskey, I believe. Yeah, she's she's mentioned recently. Kay Adams at the NFL Network did like a great documentary about some of the the women in in football, and she talked about how she wants to win a Super Bowl in the next couple of years. And 
I mean, Pace has made some really good moves, but he's also made some really, really bad ones. Mitch Trubisky being one of them. I uh, don't even remember the tight end they drafted very early a couple years ago. I don't even believe he's on the roster anymore. Uh, Shaheen, I think. They traded yes, him to Adam Miami. Shaheen. Yeah, so, I mean, it, he's made some very weird moves. I think, obviously, the Justin Fields one was a, a knockout of the park, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen this year. So, do they get fired? And if, if they're on the hot seat, then I don't think they trade Robinson because I think they want to try and win. They're still technically in it. The NFC is not a good conference as it has been the past couple of years. They're sitting at three and four. I mean, they're in the thick of it for a, for a playoff spot right now. So maybe they don't move him because they think they can. I think they should. I 100% agree with that. I think they should move him. Uh, I think try to get any value that you can, because at this point, I don't know if A-Rob would re-sign with them. He was not happy about being franchise tagged. They have not really made any headway with contract talks there. Uh, I know he had said he wanted to be in Chicago, like you mentioned, but they just haven't really been able to get it done. Uh, maybe things heat up, you know, closer to in, in the offseason, you know, when things would have to get done where they, they can't franchise, franchise him again. But uh, I, I don't see him back in Chicago. So get what you can for him. But at the same time, like you said, I do think Nagy and Pace are both coaching for their job and, and playing for their jobs. And I I don't know if I see them back this year. I, I The Bears are technically in the thick of it at three and four. I don't think that they're going to finish as a playoff team. And I think that's going to spell the end for Nagy and Pace. Um, you know, I would love to see Joe Brady get a, a job there and, and have him work with Fields because Joe Brady is going to be a hot name this year for coaching candidates, I think. Um, and if if she wants to win a Super Bowl, I mean, hey, go go get go get him and, and pair him with somebody in the front office. Uh, and at that point, you know, maybe they can mend the fence with A-Rob. But do you really want to take that gamble? I, I would probably move him yeah. now if I'm the Bears. And yeah. The, oh, my bad. If they do, you know, you're good. I was going to say if they do move him, you know, where where would we be looking for them to move him to? That is a good question. Yeah, I think if 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 Pace is smart, he will act like he's not going to lose his job this year, in which case you've got to move Allen Robinson because there's a chance he doesn't come back. you got to get what you can for him. Where he goes, that's a great question because I don't know who would pay up for him that really needs a wide receiver. I mean, the biggest one is a team I feel like we've screamed about for years needs a wide receiver. That's Green Bay. Yeah. But do they make that move? There was a lot of talk about them trading for it. I can't remember who the wide receiver was last year at the trade deadline. They didn't do it. Seemed to Fuller? piss off Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Fuller. Yes. Yeah, you're right. And I think it was because Miami wanted a first-round pick. Well, Chicago's going to want a first-round pick. So will Green Bay give their rivals that? Will the Bears be willing to trade Allen Robinson to their rival and possibly help them get a Super Bowl? I don't know. I, I feel like that's probably a little bit unrealistic. Outside of them, I mean, the only team that – that maybe does it, but they're so analytically driven. I don't think they would, but God, would I love to see him go to Cleveland and just kind <laughs> of like bio. No, I'm just kidding. I love Odell, but to bring in somebody else there, because clearly Odell is not working out. Jarvis has been injured. Getting Baker, another target like that, I think would be huge, but I don't see Cleveland giving up a pick to get him. Yeah, I, I think, like you said, with with how analytical they are, I don't think that they would make that short term of a move. Um, 
you know, they're they're definitely Cleveland's definitely not out of the playoff hunt either here. But I think a lot of that is going to depend on Baker's injury. Um, you know, reportedly might be able to play this week, but uh, man, that's it's, it's an injury. It's a shoulder injury that's going to be tough. And if he isn't able to play, you know, then at that point you're making a move for a wide receiver who's going to be a free agent and could leave somewhere else. Uh, the other obvious name that gets floated out there is, is Kansas City, and I, I do think that is a team that needs a wide receiver uh, opposite of Hill. I think that Allen Robinson brings just such a different skill set there that he would mesh really well into that offense. Um, so that's obviously the situation that everybody wants any receiver to go to. But, man, if A-Rob goes to Kansas City, that is wheels up. Yeah, as long as Patrick Mahomes stops throwing interceptions, it's gonna be it's gonna be great things for Allen Robinson. Now, I, I that would be a great landing spot for him. I, you know, add in him with with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and it's just you know, kill me now as a Browns fan. <laughs> um, with the last name that we have here on the list, uh, Ronald Jones, he's really seemed to fall out of favor there in Tampa. Leonard Fournette, uh, the past couple weeks here has been increasing his uh his share of that backfield ronald jones has been scaling it back um he's a free agent at the end of this year i believe um at yes, that point is. yeah at that point why why would tampa keep him i mean they've been using geo bernard over him they have Keyshawn vaughn there too a guy they drafted a couple years ago i mean jones is a luxury at this point and with some of those other teams that need running backs uh like uh like baltimore you know, I, I think that could be a move that would make a lot of sense, and it's not in the division either or the conference. Yeah, Baltimore, I think, would be the perfect fit for Ronald Jones for the for the kind of offense they run and the scheme that would help him out. You know, Ronald, I'm probably one of the very few remaining Ronald Jones truthers. I, I don't, I'm not even <laughs> sure that that train runs station to station anymore. Uh, I do. I, I've, I've said I think he just needs to get out of town. Clearly, Bruce Arians does not like him. I mean, one minute he's the starting running back. Next time he makes a fumble, he sits for like eight games. And I'm not even you, he's in the witness protection program. I, I don't even know that he's around. The one thing why I don't think they will trade him and Bruce Arians did kind of laugh this off when someone brought it up is they are probably the one team that is all in on a Super Bowl. They brought everybody back. They brought in some new players. If Fournette goes down, you know you can hand the ball off to Ronald Jones, mixed in with Giovanni Bernard. And again, I didn't even know Keyshawn Vaughn was still alive, so thank you for letting me know. I was worried. I'd put some calls out to his parents. They had not gotten back to me, so I'm glad that I know that now. You you have someone that you can rely on. So it kind of goes back to um, – I can't remember who we were talking about earlier with having Mac. the depth there, though. Yeah. You have that depth because Leonard Fournette has dealt with injuries all the way back to his time at LSU – and they are all in on this. I mean, they've pushed their chips all in a year ago when they brought Brady in. It worked last year. They want to repeat. So I do think that there is some kind of thought process in that room of, no, let's not move on from Ronald Jones because if something happens to Fournette, him and Gio, I think, could be a really good tandem to help take them back to a Super Bowl. Yeah, that's that's definitely a good point there. They are all in. They've brought everybody back from a Super Bowl winning team. Uh, hard to not think of them as the favorites there, although the NFC is definitely top heavy. Um, I still think they're probably the uh, the best candidate there. And if they do move him to the Ravens, I mean, they could see him in the Super Bowl. Um, so maybe yeah. that's not the best idea there. But for fantasy purposes, we would definitely want him to be moved uh, at this point. You know, because like you said, it's 
you didn't even you were putting out calls to his family, making sure he was still there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he would need to be moved and, and Baltimore would be a great landing spot. But that could be a pipe dream at this point. It feels like it. So just, I just need him to hit free agency next year. And then my four years of predicting him ever finishing as an RB two is going to look glorious next year. But until then, it'll be great. Just keep the receipts, keep all of the receipts. Always. Um, always. <laughs> we have uh, three in, in, uh, news here. Um, Non-trade related uh, with one. We touched on a little bit earlier. Baker might play this week. Um, so shoulder surgery is not a certainty. They are talking about him playing. If he does play, will he be effective with this injury? I guess it depends on what your definition of effective is. Um, <laughs> I Look, I love Baker. I, I argued on Debbie Debate earlier this year that they should not trade for Aaron Rodgers because I love Baker Mayfield so much. And he's a tough son of a gun, too, to the fact that he's got a fracture in his shoulder and he's going out there and playing – no, they they've said that he doesn't he needs surgery, but it's not something that he can he can play without it, I guess. So, or play w- before getting the surgery. They're such a run heavy group that I do think that he can be effective. I just think what they may do is limit him passing, which we saw a lot of early last year. Go back to the beginning of last season, right up until about the bye week. He was not passing the ball a lot. It was like 12 to maybe 18 passes a game. They were winning games. I mean, they were doing it because of what they could do on the run game. And we saw it before all the before Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt got hurt a couple weeks ago. Right? I mean, Nick Chubb was gashing defenses that we were talking we thought were one of the best. I mean, the Chargers we were talking about as a really good defense, and Nick Chubb was gashing them on the ground. So I think they're going to rely on the run here uh, a lot more with Baker being hurt. I, I don't know. If you haven't been super flex, I would hope that you have somebody else because I think you're at best hoping for like around 20 to 24 production out of them. Um, and, you know, realistically, I think the only player you can play on the offense outside of Chubb is Landry because he works so well in the short area, and I think Baker will be able to get him the ball. I mean, Odell is just – he's done. Yeah, Odell's – Odell's should Odell's done. He needs to move on here. I think for everybody's sake. Um, yeah, I, I think that give what you said there, you know, hundred percent, right. Given that the run heavy nature there, um, they don't necessarily need to lean on Baker. Um, so they could trot him out there. Uh, and, and he is a tough son of a gun. You know, he's, he's going to play through that injury. If he can, they're going to have to drag him kicking and screaming off of that field. But, should he sit? That I think is the better question. <sighs> that is a good question. No, because I don't think Case Keenum is that much better than an injured Baker Mayfield. <laughs> and I hate to say that, but I mean, we, Matt Fox, who we mentioned earlier in the show, is a massive Denver Broncos fan. And he talked about how he thought Case Keenum, you know, it was a Case Keenum revenge game last Thursday, and that he should have been able to kind of pass all over this Denver defense, and they couldn't. Now, some of it was the offense. They weren't really taking any shots. But even before this past week where he clearly injured his shoulder more, he was still making some really good throws. And the good thing with him is it's not his throwing shoulder, right? So it's, I think, just a pain tolerance thing. I'd imagine they can shoot it up, and it's more of just protecting him than him not being able to throw the ball because realistically it's not like a Teddy Bridgewater injury where it was his leg and ankle where you saw in that Cleveland game, he really couldn't push off. So his throws were kind of fluttering. 
Baker still has a lot of zip on his balls and had him up until this. Really, the injury has just gotten a little bit worse than what it was before that game. So, no, I think if he's good to go, I trust Stefanski. I trust that offensive staff. If they're saying, hey, Baker's good and he's going to play, they're not just throwing him out there to throw him out there. It's because he's good to go. I mean, let's let's hope so for the for the sake of the Browns offense here. I'm 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 rooting for the Browns, honestly. Um, I have no I harbor no ill will for the Browns. Um, my family's Ravens fans, so I will always root for the Ravens. Uh, but I'm not a Ravens fan, so I harbor no ill will for the Browns. Well, I appreciate it. that. Makes one of the one of the host of this uh, this show because I've never heard Austin say a positive thing about the Browns. I don't think he'd do it to save his own life. I think if a if a gun was to his head and they were like, "Say something positive about the Browns, and we'll let you live," like, the Browns suck. And then it'd be like, "Well, it was nice knowing you, Austin." Like he he really <laughs> hates the Browns. Yeah, yeah, he hates he hates a lot of people and a lot of things. He's just uh, he's he's just a general grump. He is. He's uh, not as nice as people think he is. You guys should see the real Austin. Oh yeah. Well, people get people get a taste of the real Austin on here as he chastises me and uh, and makes fun of my takes and and just yeah. He's 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 not as nice as everybody thinks. Um, other bit of news here: Jerry Judy finally expected to be back this week. Uh, obviously, we were never really worried in in. Uh, in dynasty leagues. And, and I don't want to put words in your mouth here. So if you were definitely correct me, but I don't really think anybody was too worried about him in dynasty leagues, but rest of season outlook here for him. He was a guy that I always thought would mesh better with uh, Teddy two gloves than Cortland Sutton would. So I was higher on him this year for fantasy purposes. Do we still think he can be the wide receiver one in that offense, at least for fantasy purposes? Yeah, because, I mean, Cortland Sutton really hasn't done much either this year, which is kind of disappointing. I mean, obviously the big thing for now, for Teddy, is is he going to be healthy enough to really kind of help these guys produce? We saw in that Cleveland game, they really kind of relied on the run. Uh, and Cleveland's weakness is that linebacking core in that secondary. They're really good up front. So the fact that they were still trying to run the ball in Cleveland, I think, speaks to just how injured Teddy Bridgewater is. But, I mean, Noah Fant has been doing pretty good outside of, of Judy being out here. I mean, he's getting roughly over 20 yards. He had a big game a couple weeks ago, 97 in the touchdown. Uh, and Judy had that good game that first week, right? Six catches for 72 yards, doesn't get the touchdown. I think you got Cortland Sutton, you're probably cursing all over the place that Judy is back because I, I do think just because Teddy really doesn't challenge downfield where Cortland Sutton wins, uh, this could be a very good thing for Judy. Not sure I'm starting him this week, though. I think I want to give him one more week before I throw him in my lineup, but I do think it's good. It's wheels up for Judy now that he's back. Yeah, I completely agree. with. And by weeks this week, at least for the teams that I've built, don't seem as bad as last week. Um, so if I have Judy, I can. there's a couple places where I can afford to give him an extra week. So if I can afford to, I, I am going to. But I, yeah, I, I think he'll be the uh, the wide receiver one in this offense rest of season, at least for fantasy purposes. Just uh, he, he's a better fit with with Teddy. So like you said he doesn't. Teddy doesn't really push the ball downfield. Uh, and then the last news item we have here: uh, Cam Akers could potentially return. They said if the Rams make the playoffs, I would say more when the Rams make the playoffs. I would be surprised if they don't. Um, so if the Rams do make the playoffs, uh, he would be approximately six months removed from that injury. 
And that's an Achilles tear too. That would be an extremely fast recovery. Do we buy this rumor? I do because we saw this happen in college last year and nobody was really talking about it. It's why I've kind of defended this player at times against Felix and that's master Teague. A lot of people talked about last year before the college season that in February or early March, he got a, an Achilles injury and they never really specified on it. It's one thing with college. They don't have to do that. Right. But a lot of people that I know said that he tore his Achilles. Then he was back playing at late October and November when the Big Ten season kicked off. And all of a sudden it's like, well, hey, why is this guy back and playing? Now, he was not effective. And that is the one thing that I would worry about. It's not that I doubt that Cam Akers can come back and play because I do think he can. We've already seen videos of him doing the 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 stepladder drill with his feet and looking like nothing ever happened to his, his Achilles. I don't know that I would trust him to go out there and produce like the Akers we expect, though. I do think it'd be a good thing for the the Rams' morale and, and for them to have him out there on a couple plays. But I'd imagine when they make the playoffs, because I agree with you on that, it's when, not if. When they make the playoffs and he comes back, I still think they likely lean on Darrell Henderson and Cam Akers is more of just a change of pace guy throughout the playoffs. Yeah, I think that's definitely the most likely scenario. I was not aware that uh, Teague had torn his ace or his Achilles. Um, that definitely makes things more interesting because you saw a lot of people here once Akers tore that Achilles. Um, there were really two camps. There was he's done. He's never going to play another down in the NFL. He's never going to be effective again. He's worthless. Sell him for whatever you can get him now. And then there were other people who were buying him who were saying that this is not going to be a big deal. You know, he's going to be able to return next year. Uh, and there was not really anybody who was in the middle of the road on that one. I think most people were pretty staunchly in one camp or the other. Our very own Chris Moxley, who I know, was a staunch defender. Um, so I I was on a more I was on the side uh, defending Acres. I was buying him where I could. I think if he does come back. It's a good sign for his long-term future, but I think that's going to create the buying window because like you said, I don't think he's going to necessarily be effective in the playoffs and you're going to see those people pop back up again saying, Oh, see, look, I was right. He wasn't effective. He'll never be effective. Sell him for whatever now. Oh, is that you? Yeah. I was the one that was arguing with Moxley in our okay. chat for like a <laughs> half a day as we were yelling yeah. at each other that, I, and it's not that I, uh, so my issue with Cam Akers and I feel like Moxley came around to my side. And if he listens to this, he's probably going to say he didn't. I just didn't <laughs> have him as a top 12 running back. That's all. I like Cam Akers. I think he was 13 or 14 in my dynasty ranking. So I like him. He's a high end too. But when people were, and I'll just say the number guys, or I'll I'll use Felix's word because it it always makes me, the spreadsheet since had him (laughs) as like a top five running back. I don't see that out of Cam Akers, and I definitely don't see it now. Now, I will not use that as like a parade around those guys that he's not going to be that, but I never thought that to begin with. I do agree with what you were saying, though. If he goes out there and does not play well in the playoffs, I would buy him as quick as you can because I do think he will bounce back and be good for the Rams next year. Yeah, I was I, I was never like a I was more of the Cam Akers is being drafted too high at this point kind of a guy. So I did end up with a lot of, of Darrell Henderson, um, but I do like Akers. He's I don't know my rankings pulled up in front of me. He's probably right around the or was right around the 10 to 12 range for me. He's probably now down closer to that 12 to 14 range that you were talking about. So um, I do lean more on the side of in terms of his overall ranking there with you. Um, but yeah, I, I still think he'll be a buying opportunity here if, if he does come back and does not look effective. 
but speaking of trades and, and players to move here, um, it's that time of year. You know, like we talked about a little bit last week, it's that time of year to start moving guys, whether you're a contender, whether you're a rebuilder. You very rarely are you ever in a situation where you can just sit pat and coast your way into a championship. Um, so you got to make some moves. You know, that's what Dynasty is all about. You got to make trades here. So who are some guys that we are trading away if we are rebuilding? Let's start there. So guys that I'm trading away if I'm rebuilding, and, and if I'm a contender, these are some of the guys that I'm trying to get as well if these guys are on low-end teams. Number one is Cooper Cup. And I know if you're a rebuilding team, you may be thinking, well, Cooper Cup, he's wide receiver one this year. He's he's amazing. He's got Matt Stafford there now. Why would I want to get, a, get rid of a guy who's a centerpiece of my team moving forward? He's already 28 which worries me a little bit. Now, granted, wide receivers tend to last a little bit longer, but I also don't know how much longer we can trust Matt Stafford to be at the peak of his game either. I think you're likely looking at what Austin always loves to say is a three-year window, right? So you've got probably three more years of like this peak connection between Stafford and Cup, and I don't know, and this is going to be completely based on your guys' rosters, can't speak for everybody here. Most teams, if you're rebuilding, you're not like a year away. You're usually one to two. So at that point, if you're two years away, by the time you're getting to the time of you actually being a good team, you've probably got one year left of Cooper Cup. He is wide receiver one right now, and I honestly think we're probably seeing his best season based on what he's doing now and what likely is going to continue to happen. So I put him as a guy to trade away if you're a rebuilding team. I I did that this week, actually it's two weeks ago. I traded him away on a team that I'm rebuilding, and I got a 2022, a 2023, and Rashad Bateman back for Cup, which I think is a very good overhaul to get back. You get two really good picks. And if you want to go straight in picks, he offered me more picks. But then I was like, well, hey, Rashad Bateman, who I think is going to be incredible here. We've already seen him have two really good weeks in his first weeks back with Baltimore. So I, I think you might even be able to get more for him in some leagues. He's a guy that I would I would move on from uh, just because of how much you can get back. Yeah, I agree. I think this is probably the best season we're going to see out of Cooper Cup. Now, that being said, I do think he has another two, like you said, two to three year window. He probably has another two to three years of wide receiver one or high end wide receiver two production left. So if you are a team that's retooling, I probably wouldn't move him. And, and I say that because there's a situation I have where I have a lot of injuries this year. My team should have been a competitor. Um, you know, and we're not going to be so, you know, we'll retool and you, you kind of tweak, make some tweaks here and there in that league. I'm not moving cup because like yeah. you said, if you're, he's going to be productive for the next two to three years. So at that point, I probably wouldn't move him. But if you're in a total rebuild, this is the peak value that you're going to get for Cooper cup. Um, it may hurt for a couple weeks as you look out there and you see him put up a 30 point week, a, tw you know, a 25 point week, a 20, another 25 point week, you know, as you see these huge stat lines and he finishes as a top three wide receiver, maybe even the top one, it may sting for a little bit, but it's always about that long game. And if you're rebuilding, yeah, I, I think he's a guy to move to. 
Yeah, I mean, it won't hurt in three years when you're drafting, or two years when you get like Isaiah Spiller and Bijan Robinson or Kayshawn Boutte. Then you're going to be looking at Cooper Cup when he's getting you like five points a game for the guy you traded him to, and he got like one championship out of it. And you're like, oh, <laughs> Kayshawn Boutte, all right, here we go. Who's going to be better? Let's just be honest. I mean, he hasn't even touched the NFL field yet, and I feel confident saying he's going to be better than Cooper Cup. I don't think that's a bold take. Uh, I, I I would agree with that as well. Um, the next name you you put down here on the list here is uh, is a guy I think we're going to disagree on here. So I'm going to let you go okay. first on this one. All right. So I'm I'm strictly again speaking from rebuilding, not retooling. Mm-hmm. Retooling I, again. I agree with you. Whether it's injuries or whatever's happened, if you, if you're a team that should have been competing, like I'll, I'll just be honest. And I'm in a 16 team IDP league where I have scored 1,400 points. I'm the top scoring team, and I am 2-5 and five right now. I'm not <laughs> trading away my top players. It's, I've literally run up against the best scoring team, whatever, that week. I know I have a good team. You're not trading away your players because you're 2-5. and five. Every team is different. But I'm talking about if you're looking at a team and Travis Kelsey is one of the best players on your team, sell them. I know I, I've, I love listening to your guys' show. So I've listened. Austin talks about how, you know, everything Travis Kelsey has done and how he probably has a couple years left. And you might be right, but you're never going to get peak Travis Kelsey value like you will right now. I, I don't know that Kelsey can continue to do this for the next two to three years. He's eventually, now maybe he's the Tom Brady of tight ends, and I'm going to be dead wrong about this. But eventually he's going to start coming down. I think if you can get a really good deal around him, and I've seen people who've gotten like a first and TJ Hawkinson or two first and Dawson Knox. If I can get an up-and-coming tight end and some draft picks for a team, if I'm not contending, I'm doing it. Because granted, yes, you're giving away the best tight end, but realistically, it's just Travis Kelsey, right? Like, it's Travis Kelsey and then a massive teardrop for everybody else. So, yeah, you're putting yourself back in the waters with everybody else, but if you're getting a bunch of draft capital back for him and a guy who can come close to competing with Kelsey, I'm here for it because you you know you're only going to really lose that week to one player or one team every single year when you play him, and that's a team that has Travis Kelsey. So I think if you've got him, move him now while the iron's still hot. See, the reason that I disagree is, you know, look into a two to three year window there. Um, you know, you hope that your rebuild gets you to a point where you can compete in two, maybe three years. At that point, he's going to be 35. We've seen elite tight ends. And I think at this point, we can consider Travis Kelsey an elite tight end. We've seen elite tight ends produce up until 36, 37, 38. Guys like Antonio Gates. We're playing for forever. Um, uh, Tony Gonzalez was playing for forever. Jimmy Graham is still floating around there. I mean, he's never, he's not as good as he was. He kind of faded off a little bit more. Um, but guys like Jason Witten were sticking around for forever. So these elite tight ends do have a tendency to stick around longer than you think they will. And so I think even in three years, Travis Kelsey's still probably going to be the tight end one, unless Kyle Pitts takes him over, you know, we'll see how that shakes out. But um, I, I see him still putting up high end tight end numbers and being a difference maker at a position where it's difficult to get decision makers or uh, difference makers. I, th- I think he can still be that in two to three years. Well, you're wrong. So don't you? No, nah, just trying to be <laughs> okay, my Austin. best, Austin. That I don't have yeah. anything to. No, I agree with you. You're you're taking a big risk by moving him. But if you can get 
good enough value back. I I, I think you should, because he's going to be one of those guys. Like if you're talking about, like I just talked about a Cooper cup, maybe someone's willing to overpay for him a little bit because of the year he's having right now, but he's not a premier name. Like Travis Kelsey is a Devonte Adams, Jonathan Taylor, you know, Tyree kill Patrick Mahomes type of name that you they, people. Some people will move heaven and earth to get that player. And if you put Travis Kelsey out on the block, you may get at, I mean, you may get someone who's like, I'll give you three first round picks, TJ Hawkinson and this player because they want Travis Kelsey, because that's going to help them win that championship. And yeah, like you do that because then it also, in in essence, probably hurts that team that just gave up a ton of depth as well to get Travis Kelsey. And maybe in two years, you're playing that team in the championship and Travis Kelsey isn't Tom Brady, like we <laughs> talked about. And he isn't producing at 37, 38 years old. And now you've got Kyle Pitts or Dawson Knox, who, I mean, Fort Knox is going to be the tight end one here in a couple years anyways with Josh <laughs> Allen. So, and then you end up winning the trade. It's all I think about if risk. You, if you can get a really nice haul for him, like if you can get a first and a Hawkinson, a Pitts, or somebody like that, then yeah, I would I would pull the trigger because I I think those guys in two to three years will be it will kind of still be right there with Kelsey. They'll they'll kind of close that gap a little bit. And I don't think there'll be a huge drop off between those between Kelsey and and a Pitts or a or a Hawkinson. So if you could pull that off, I would probably do that. But it's it's just so tough to come across like consistent tight end production that I have I would have a hard time moving Kelsey, but never hurts to put him out on the block. You never know what you can get. Um, so, and who's the uh, the next guy you got here on the list? All right, so next up, I've got Miles Gaskin. He started to bounce back a little bit, and I think what we've seen this year, I liked him. I thought he was a, a great buy this offseason, especially after the Miami Dolphins did not draft him or they drafted Jared Dokes, who a lot of people wanted to believe in. Clearly, <laughs> that wasn't going to happen that we thought he was going to be the guy. They just don't seem to trust him. Uh, and they keep adding Salvan Ahmed in there, who I liked coming out of Washington, but he really hasn't been much of anything. I think this they're going to draft a running back next year. There were a lot of rumors that they wanted Javante, and then Denver jumped them. So I think they're going to go ahead and go do it. If you're a rebuilding team at this point, I think, especially after he's had two good games, you get rid of him now, try and get what you can out of him, because I'm not sure. Maybe he's a part of that offense next year, but I don't know that he's the starter, which he's technically listed as right now. Yeah, I completely agree. This is the time to move him after those two solid games there. he's He's been very up and down this year. Uh, and, and I don't I don't necessarily see him being a part of that offense moving forward either. You know, it was it was very iffy this year, whether he was going to be as well. You know, like you said, there were a lot of rumors about them drafting a running back. They didn't end up doing it. Are they going to pass on that two years in a row? I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily think they will. I think this will be the year they bring somebody in. Yeah. All right. The um, next guy uh, I have is Robert Tanyan. And and this was a little bit of a play on, I was hoping he was going to have done something at this point Thursday night. <laughs> uh, he is not uh, because I still think, though, he's a sexy name based on what he did last year. Tight end is a position we talked about earlier with Travis Kelsey that not a lot of guys produce at. And I think because of his name value alone, I'm trading him because I never believed in him last year. I, I think if you can try and get something out of him again, I was hoping he would have like scored a touchdown at this point, And then it was like full on sell mode as much as you can, as quick as you can to get him off your roster. Because 
I mean, the fact that they only have Devontae Adams as a receiver on this on this team and, and Tanyan, or I'm sorry, he pronounces it Tanyan. As, as Tanyan has not, still not done anything this year, I think speaks to, you got to get rid of because there's also something I think not a lot of people are talking about in Aaron Rodgers restructured his contract this offseason to allow himself to get out of his contract at the end of this year. Devontae Adams is going to be a free agent. Now, granted, they can still franchise tag him. There's a realistic shot that both those guys are gone this year. I don't know who they're bringing in, but I don't know that Robert Tunyon is going to be any better than what he's going to be with Aaron Rodgers, so I'd move him now while you have a chance. Yeah, I 100% agree. I would have moved Tunyon before the year started here, but if you can move him now, you know, move him because his touchdown production from last year was always going to be unsustainable. Uh, you know, people were kind of hanging on to the hope that, like you said, they did. It was Devontae Adams and they don't have anything else in that offense. Yeah. And, you know, I, I still think he is a name out there. People do remember that. People also know, man, it's, it's tough out there for tight ends. You know, if you can get anything for him, I would definitely move him at this point as well. Um, great point, though, on Aaron Rodgers, uh, restructuring that contract. Um, the next guy you have on your list here is, is also a guy I agree with here. Amari Cooper. Now, I've been probably one of the most noted Amari Cooper haters, and he proves me wrong all the time. So I've got to give him props on that. I know he listens to the Roundtable podcast. I've, I've consistently called him Amari Brickhands, Amari Pooper. It's just it's not been great. <laughs> He's been amazing. My big fear with him is they do have an out in his contract after next, I believe it is it after this season potential out is okay. After 2022 where they can get out from underneath his contract for $6 million. That's not really a big cap hit. I don't know that they'll do that now that it likely seems like Michael Gallup is leaving, but CD lamb has continued to kind of really start to push to take over this one uh, the one spot, the Cowboys defense has looked a lot better this year than I expected them to. Like my big fear with, with the Cowboys was their defense was going to be bad. So Dak was going to be passing it for 500 yards a game uh, like he had been before that. Doesn't seem like that's going to be the case now. Uh, I think Amari Cooper is a very sexy name right now. He's been good this season. Move out on him now because he's been dealing with injuries the past couple years. And I think you can get kind of not necessarily a King's ransom, but a really good deal for him. And, and I don't know that we see him continue to be as good as he has been uh, moving forward in the next couple seasons. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you there too. The, the out is, it's not something that I had looked into because I don't think they get out on that contract um, with Gallup being a free agent. Um, I know he was pretty highly paid when they gave him that deal. But at this point, you know, wide receiver deals just keep going up and up and up. So, you know, it's not going to look that unreasonable next year, really, even to be honest with you, with with the amount of wide receivers that are set to hit the free agent market uh, with A-Rob and Godwin, who are likely going to hit it. Devontae Adams likely going to hit those guys are going to jump Cooper in, in annual salary, I would assume. So it's not going to look like that bad of a deal. So I don't I, I think he will be there. But like you said, he has kind of been dealing with some injuries that defense has definitely looked better. I was also in the camp that this was going to be a shootout year for them. They were going to be, you know, the defense was going to be bad. They were going to have to lean on Dak. Uh, and that hasn't been the case. But Cooper still has been productive. And I believe he is also 28 or is he 27? He is 20. I just got rid of it. I was trying to look up. So real quick while I'm doing that, he is the top paid wide receiver at $22 million, uh, which I do agree with you. 
Uh, yeah, 27. Well, so the well, I'll get to that in a second. So he he's the top paid. So I agree with you that Al Robinson and Devontae Adams probably jump him, but I don't know that anybody else does. And the one thing that I think his agent did a great job in is that his contract doesn't lessen over the next. Like usually, mm. you see guys get like yeah. an Odell, right? I'll, I'll, Odell and Jarvis, who I'll mention a little bit later with with a player that I think you should trade for. Their contracts lessen a little bit, and uh, their dead money is zero over the next couple. of Amari Cooper's is twenty two million for the next four years, and it doesn't go; it does not get any lesser. So you're going to be paying him as a top wide receiver into his age thirty three, thirty and thirty one season. I don't know that Dallas wants to do that, especially with the they they did get Dak resigned. I'm pretty sure they got Zach Martin coming up. They've got a couple other defensive players like. If you really want to keep this team as close together, I think they really want to build that offensive line than a wide receiver. And you've got C.D. Lamb on that rookie deal, first-round rookie deal, too. So you can hold him for five years without having to worry about paying him too much. I think that there's a chance they may let him go. Uh, But, yeah, the one thing with 27, it sounds young. He's also been in the NFL for six years, and he's taken a beating for six years as well. He he was not great at times in Oakland, and he's he's dealt with a lot of injuries. It seems like every game – you see him make some big catch, and then he's limping off the field because he did something to his ankle or his leg. That adds up, and that comes that that starts to add up. Those injuries pile up. Low uh, ankle injuries and and foot injuries really worry me with uh, with wide receivers. Yeah, I definitely agree on the injury front there um, with with those specific injuries as well. That I, it's interesting. I thought I would have thought Hopkins had jumped him in terms of uh, of contracts I there once he got that new deal, but. That- I don't think he's even in the top five. Let me, yeah, he's not even in the top five in, in cap hit or or mm-hmm. base salary. So base salaries. Now, some of this is obviously because of the uh, franchise tag. Amari Cooper right. at 20, Allen Robinson's at 17, Devontae Adam at 16, Chris Godwin at 15, and Tyreek Hill at 15 are the top three. Interesting. Yeah. So now Hopkins has the highest, which I, I'm going to be honest, I don't know what this means. The highest contract AAV at 27 million. I'm assuming he has different things in his thing. Uh, Cooper has the highest base salary. I guess I should okay. put it that way. I think Hopkins has bonuses put into his contract where whatever it is, if you get 80 catches, you get an extra 3 million or whatever. So that's probably Hopkins overall probably has the better contract. But if he doesn't hit those, he's not getting paid his twenty-seven million. Where Amari Cooper's getting twenty-two million, whether he sits or not, like his it's locked in twenty-two million dollars. Good for you. Yeah, good for him. Uh, the last guy here in the trade away column um, Dur- is a guy that I added to the list, Darrell Henderson. Uh, you know, we we touched on it a little bit earlier with Acres. You know, this is probably going to be a split backfield here if and when Acres does come back, which. Uh, you know, probably more looking at 2022. So, you know, Henderson is a guy who can absolutely help a contender there this year. He has been very steady. Uh, you're, you're looking at very steady wide running back to production with some peaks that can get up into running back one production there. But at once acres comes back, I always thought acres was the more talented running back. I, I still think it'll be a one a one B, but his value is definitely going to take a hit and he is under contract there next year as well. So he, and for very cheap, still the rookie deal. So he's not going anywhere. Um, you can't rely on him leaving the situation and going and being a, a lead back somewhere else. So you're going to have to, if you don't move him now, you're going to have to deal with him being a one a one B. I don't think his value gets 
any better than it is right now. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Just like, just to touch on real quick, what we talked about with Cam Akers, even if he comes back and doesn't play well in the playoffs, the fact that he's already back and playing, I think, just speaks to outside of an injury, he's going to be the guy in 2022, at which case I think Darrell Henderson probably doesn't lose all his value, but most of it. So if you can move on from him now, now is the time to do it. Totally agree. And and if you are moving him here, um, who are a couple of guys that you would be looking to get back? So the way I attacked this question was these are guys that if I am a team that's trading away those guys we just mentioned, a Cooper Cup, Travis Kelsey, Miles Gaskin, Darrell Henderson, Amari Cooper. Not only do, at least when I attack trades, I don't always want just draft picks back, right? Because while right. I love draft picks and we love college football here, you're also kind of taking a shot in the dark. Not everybody's a Kayshawn Boutte or a Bijan Robinson that like it's going to be, you know, Extremely rare if those guys miss when they get to the NFL level. So I want some guys who are at the NFL level who've maybe proven a little bit here or there that you wouldn't think are a sexy name and end up all of a sudden in a year or two producing out of nowhere and you're like, where did this come from? And number one is Donovan Peoples-Jones. You go look at his college career and his college stats, and, and it's just kind of embarrassing. And some of that is because Jim Harbaugh is just a horrible coach, and he went to a horrible school. Had he gone to, like, an Ohio State, dude would have been a first-round pick and probably balling out in the NFL. That didn't happen. He chose that team up north. God knows why, but I'm getting off track here, so I apologize. Talking uh, – he's not produced, and some of that I do think is on Baker, but if you look at what he's done this year – in the snaps that he's been out on the field. He has been out there on the Browns all the time. He's not getting a lot of the volume, but if you go and look at some of the games, in big games last year, he was the guy that Baker went to. We've seen him make some big catches this year as well. I mentioned earlier that we were going to talk about Odell Landry. I'm going to do it right here. Both those guys can be cut from the Browns after this season with zero impact on their cap. I don't think that they cut both, but I do think they cut one. Likely Odell, because he's just not worked out here in Cleveland. I still love Odell. Matter of fact, I'd trade for him if you can, because he's been so bad. I still believe he's got the talent to be really good. I mentioned this, I think it was on Debbie Debates After Show the other day. He's getting open. The problem is, I think most of the time he's Baker's first read. And by the time he's open, Baker's already off to Jarvis Landry or the tight end, and Baker will just dish it off. He doesn't go back. So I think Odell will be good going somewhere else. But I think Donovan Peoples-Jones has the chance to be the top wide receiver in this offense as early as next season. And he's a guy I don't think you have to pay. He's a throw-in. He's a guy that you make a deal, and if like if you're trading a Cooper Cup and you're getting multiple first-round picks, and, and even if you're getting a Rashad Bateman back, I guarantee you if me and you were trading, I was like, oh, hey, can you throw in Donovan Peoples-Jones too? And you're like, oh, uh, yeah, whatever. And you just throw him in the deal, and then you end up – I don't know. I'm not saying he's going to be a wide receiver one, but I do think he's got legitimate wide receiver two upside. So he's a guy that I would add, uh, add into a trade if you can get him. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that too. And, you know, like you said, he, he may not have wide receiver one upside, but there's only so many wide receiver ones. The wide rec- the people who are wide receiver twos, wide receiver, you know, threes are, there's a lot of wide receiver twos, wide receiver threes out there. And I think he can absolutely fall into that bunch. So he's going to be a guy that next year, I think, is going to be a fle- at least a flex worthy play for you because of what you said with Odell pretty much all but being out the door. Uh, I did not know that they could also cut Landry. Um, I, I, you know, good point. They're probably not going to cut them both. They're going to need somebody else there. But 
if he's already getting all those snaps now, he's already, you know, producing here and there, you know, if they move him into an every down role where he's the wide receiver, you know, he's their ex, uh, you know, he's, he's going to get a lot of, uh, a lot of targets. He's going to be a lot more valuable there. And you're, you're right. You know, maybe after this show, you know, maybe people aren't throwing him in as a toss in after they hear you talk about him. But uh, you know, for anybody who's not listening to this show, they're probably agreed. They're probably going to throw him in as a toss in. Yeah. All right, so my next guy here is is my guy, Khalil Herbert. I love this kid. Um, and I, I'm glad that there was a way for me to kind of talk about him. Uh, we did not talk about this in, in the Trade Force segment because we, we were kind of talking before the show. and We couldn't really verify anything, but there was there's rumors that Chicago mm-hmm. may be, be shopping David Montgomery. Why I would trade for Khalil Herbert, a lot of people I think would be on the opposite side of this, right? And say, hey, trade him now because he's never going to be higher. He's been really good the past couple weeks with Montgomery out. I mean, 75 yards, 97 yards, and 100 yards against Tampa Bay. No running back has done that so far this year, and it was Khalil Herbert, uh, a dude who nobody was talking about that did it. My thing with David Montgomery is, yes, he looked great last year in those last five games, played some of the worst rushing defenses in the NFL, but he he capitalized on it, and that's exactly what you're supposed to do, and did look good earlier this year playing but he was not drafted in the first round. He's only got one year left and that's next year. I don't know that, that Chicago re-signs him. Why would you? You've got Tariq Cohen locked up for the next couple of years who granted, I know we haven't seen, I don't think we're going to see him this year anyways, but they're not cutting him. Then you have Khalil Herbert, who's on a rookie deal. You've got him for the next couple of years. If you go in and you look at what he's done this year, again, against Green Bay, who's a good defense, not great, Las Vegas, who shut down the Baltimore Ravens offense for the most part earlier this season, and then Tampa Bay, who again is not allowed a 100-yard rusher. I want to say going even back until some point last year, and he did it this past week. He's putting up better stats than what David Montgomery has done as a starter for the Bears. He is really good. Now, I'm not telling you he's going to keep this pace, but just looking at some of the things he's done, he has been amazing. Seven yards over uh, over 10, seven runs over 10 yards. Uh, he's He's got already 12 missed tackles, forced missed tackles, two runs over 15 yards. Some of that is better than what David Montgomery has done so far this year as a starter. And I think even when David Montgomery comes back, he's not going away. We saw them using Damian Williams at times. I think Khalil Herbert's going to be a, once Montgomery comes back, he's probably an RB3 because Montgomery will still get the workload. But I think there's a realistic shot that they could move Montgomery in the offseason or when he's gone, they give the job to Khalil Herbert because he'll still have two years left on his contract. And I don't think that they they just draft a running back at that point. Granted, we don't know where the Bears may be at that because could be wholesale changes coming this offseason. But Herbert's a guy that I would try and trade for or keep instead of moving on from him. Because let's also be honest, you selling high on him. Well, what are you realistically getting back a third? Maybe a second, if you can kind of sucker that as somebody. I think at this point, I'd rather keep a guy like Herbert who's producing the way that he is. Yeah, you're right. You're, you're not getting much of value there at all. I mean, you if you have Herbert, you probably spend a late third, early fourth on him. And that's probably honestly what you're looking at getting back. You know, I, I, you, you may be able to get a third, but a, a second would be very surprising. And I'm with you. I don't think that David Montgomery is anything special. You know, the last, the end of last year was kind of an aberration. Now he did start off this season well. Um, and that is something that gave me a little bit of pause in the David Montgomery. Uh, I'm not going to say hate, but uh, the David Montgomery um, cold shower. 
so that that does give me a little bit of hesitation there. But overall, yeah, I don't think David Montgomery is anything special, you know. And if they're already floating rumors out there, Herbert has looked really good, and I know he's he's one of your guys. Um, so obviously, you're going to talk him up. I was not surprised to see his name on this list, but I, I think it, it's warranted. You know, it's it's definitely warranted. Uh, unlike you know some other guys that people may talk up after a game or two that looked good, like, I don't know, Mayan Williams or, or something like that. You know, he's actually looked pretty good here, and I think he, he could keep it up. Yeah, I mean, I, whoever talks up Mayan Williams, uh, they may need to reevaluate their life choices here, but we'll, we'll talk about that another time. Uh, next up on this list is a guy that I, I don't think many people – would would think is not having a good year, but that's T. Higgins. Uh, I mean, Jamar Chase has just been absolutely fantastic, and, and T. Higgins is getting targeted a lot still. He, he's still a main focal point in this Bengals offense, but he's not really putting up the numbers. I want. I really think you might be able to trade for him. I mean, 58, 60, 32, 42, and 62 receiving yards this year. Just has the two touchdowns, but he's getting targeted a ton. 10, 7, 6, 15, 7. He's ha- he's being targeted. He's just not doing much. I think down season, if you're a team that is trading with a contender, I think you might be able to get a T. Higgins thrown into a Cooper Cup deal and just be like, oh, hey, I'll give you Cooper Cup and this, and you send back a T. Higgins. All of a sudden, you go from rebuilding to retooling because you're not taking a massive step down and getting a T. Higgins. And I do think that Higgins is a guy that will turn around not just this year, but is still going to continue to be a focal point of that Bengals offense moving forward. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I still like T. Higgins. And with all of this Chase, the Jamar Chase news and hype and and all of the stat lines that he's put up so far this year, he's come out like a man on fire. People are kind of forgetting about Higgins, you know, and you can probably find somebody in your league who will see Jamar Chase and doing everything that he's doing and think, you know, he's the new number one there. And maybe he is, but I don't think that that devalues T. Higgins that much because like you said, he's still getting the targets. He just hasn't put up the production yet. Uh, and it, it, where where the targets are, production generally tends to follow. Yeah, 100%. All right, so next up for me, George Kittle. I really don't have much analysis behind this except for he's awesome and <laughs> he's been injured this year. I, I do think as someone who rosters George Kittle in a lot of places, I'm also very frustrated with him because he's always injured. But I think now is a time to buy because I I think you can get him somewhat cheap, especially if you're able to offer back any kind of decent tight end and some future draft uh, picks. I think you can get George Kittle off the off the owners. We don't even know he's going to come back this year. Uh, And and the fact that he's injured often, I think a lot of a lot of people who have him rostered might be willing to move on from him. Yeah, I think I think you're right. This is the time to move for him. People are are kind of forgetting that magical 2019 season that he had because he was banged up a lot last year. He's banged up again this year. Uh, and you're having some of the hot new names come out. You know, Darren Waller has jumped him as the tight end too for most people. You have Kyle Pitts is a hot name. Hawkinson's a hot name. It wouldn't surprise me if you could get more for either of those two than what you would get for Kittle if you were trying to trade him away. So his value has dipped to the point where He's still an elite tight end, and you're not going to have to pay that price for him. Yep, and that's exactly why you've. I would try and get him now because once he comes back and starts producing like he used to, you're not going to be able to get him. He, he's going to be like a Travis Kelsey type deal. 
Uh, my last guy that I have here is Juju Smith Poopster. I'm sorry, Juju Smith Schuster. Uh, I'm just kidding. I, I do that as a little uh, jab at Austin. I actually like Juju Smith Schuster. I think he's an amazing kid. He's one of the very few Steelers players that I will actually root for. Chances are he's not going to be back with Pittsburgh next year. We saw, oh my God, that's horrible. Robert Tunyon out with an injury. There you go. Don't trade for him now, folks. Uh, so, anyways, uh, the Chiefs were in on him. Baltimore was in on him. I think teams value Juju because of what he can do. Even if he does stick with Pittsburgh, I don't know that Ben's there long term. Um, you know, I'd love for them to draft uh, Austin's favorite quarterback, Carson Strong, out of Nevada <laughs> and just boost up Juju's value. Regardless, injured. Wasn't had he had a decent season last year? If you go look at the stats, I don't think a lot of people do. A lot of people think he had a bad year last year, uh, but wasn't really that great this year. Then gets injured. I think you can buy him pretty cheaply right now, and I would do that because I expect him to bounce back in a major way. Um, and I just, I'm rooting for the kid, so that's another reason why I would I just trade for him. So I think if he stays with Pittsburgh or wherever he goes, he's going to bounce back, and I think bring you that wide receiver two season next year. Yeah, I I completely Juju's a guy that I've was in on at the beginning of this year. I'm still in on, I still think he's going to be very productive. People are, a lot of people say, you know, he needed Antonio Brown to put up that, that season that he did. He needed to not be the focal point of the, uh, of the defense's attention. And maybe that's true, but you know, he was a, a good prospect coming out. He put up a really nice season this year. He's still really young and like you said, he's going to be moving on. So I think he is going to probably be moving into a better situation. Um, I would, If he sticks around in Pittsburgh, I would definitely not like that for him just because of the uncertainty around the future of the quarterback position there. But uh, I do like Juju overall. And like you said, good person. You always hear a lot of good stories about him. Um, I think that's really going to do it here for us tonight. Um you know, this is always a pleasure having Matt on here. You know, we are obviously two of the better looking guys at the site, but also two guys, you know, when you, when you get us together, we're, we're going to talk for an hour and a half and it is, it is Very right true. there at an hour and a half. Very um, you know, always tons of great content here too. So I, I always love having you on here. Definitely follow Matt uh, on Twitter at Matt sports fanatic MB. Although if you're listening to the show, I'm assuming you're probably following him already anyway. Uh, but for anybody who doesn't know, Matt is the co-host of Devi Debate with my other co-host, uh, Austin and Felix Sharp. Uh, he's also the host of a new show, Devi Wire. Um, that's a show on Sleeper Wire there. Matt's doing a solo show there, just pumping out a ton of great Devi content there. One of the best Devi minds in the business and one of the busiest guys in the business, too. So on top of those two shows... He is also the graphics guy and a panel member for our tailgate and coast to coast, the two live shows on Saturday. Not enough thanks goes to Matt for the graphics that he puts together on a weekly basis to make our show look at least at least look professional, even if we don't always sound it. Um, yeah, we definitely don't sound it, but I appreciate I appreciate <laughs> that part. Uh, so, Matt, thank you for coming on. Definitely appreciate that here. Everybody tune in to Saturday morning for the tailgate. See Matt's graphics. Uh, listen to Matt as one of the panel members. He will be on this week. Also tune in Saturday night after the primetime game for our Coast to Coast show. Uh, we'll be going on, you know, it's usually closer to like 1130. It depends on when that game wraps up. Um, also check out the C2C family of pods. 
uh, with the Debbie debate with Matt on it as well. Why wait till Sunday? The Fantasy Roundtable, which is also a show with Matt uh, and Matt Fox and Dennis that we always talk that we talked about a little bit earlier. Uh, check out the new Three and Out pod and Grits and or Guts and Data uh, with uh, Chris Moxley and Will uh, Rivera from our site. Check out the early week show Campus Life. Austin will be back from that, um, assuming his private jet touches down in time. But thanks for joining us. I'm Colin. And I'm Matt. Have a good one.